This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 141. And the quote of the day is, you don't have to live your life the way that everyone else expects you to. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And this session is brought to you by DW Drums. And as you know, I've been playing DW for years, not only because they make great handcrafted drums, but also because they support and foster drumming initiatives all over the world, much like this podcast. This podcast is 100% free thanks to the folks at DW. Be sure to check them out today and say hello and thank them for their contribution at DWDrums.com. This session is also brought to you by Promark, makers of the medium broomstick. Now, broomsticks are made from actual broom corn, and they're louder than a brush, and they're capable of really heavy bass sounds or really snappy snare sounds. It's also great for other instruments like the cajon. You can check them out at your local retailer or go to Promark.com for more info. Now, let's get into this interview today. This interview is with Joe Bergamini, and Joe is or has been a staple on the scene for years. He's a clinician. He's an author. He's a performer. He's an educator. I mean, he taught Mark Juliana among a slew of other people that, that he's taught. He's a master teacher. And this, this, interview is really interesting because we talk a lot about how he's sort of juggling a lot of balls and and keeping a lot of balls in the air, keeping, you know, his teaching schedule and being a clinician and being an author and all these other things. So it really helps explore how he's making a successful career out of this and really, you know, putting money in the bank and, and keeping food on the table for his family and providing for his family. So it's a great, great conversation that Joe and I have, and I'm not going to waste any more time to get into it without further ado, Mr. Joe Bergamini. Joe, what's happening, man? Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Hey, Nick. Nice to uh, virtually meet you. Yeah, this is this is cool. I'm glad we got it all figured out. Sometimes, you know, technology is great sometimes, and sometimes it's a uh, sometimes it's a hassle. So, yep. But uh, definitely, definitely good to connect, man. Like I told you off air, I've had a lot of people saying that that you and I should talk and you and I should chat. We're both, uh, you know, in Jersey, so which is really cool. So for the people who don't know who you are, the for the listeners, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I know that's a loaded question, but if you could, <laughs> if you could summarize it a bit. Um, well, my name is Joe and I'm a drummer. Uh, <laughs> I like long walks on the park. Yeah, right. Um, I, uh, I'm a I guess what you would call a professional drummer, uh, educator, and um, and I'm active in the uh, in the industry. So right now, I I do sort of an equal um, parts uh, performing. I I played on a lot of Broadway shows as as a sub, and through that, I that's where most of my gigs are, like either on the show those shows and with the people I've met on that scene. And so that's playing wise. I I. You know, I still try to stay active as an original artist too. I have a band called Forefront, and I was in a band called Happy the Man. So I, I was not recently, or you know, I guess I'm, I'm sort of active in the progressive rock world. I actually did record recently with the guys from Happy the Man. Um, so that's kind of my original voice. People know Forefront and mm-hmm. stuff, and Happy the Man, and then the Broadway stuff. That's the gig side. And I've been teaching for about 25 years privately. Um, I love, I love it. You know, I studied with some great teachers, uh, mainly Dom Famularo for about six years. I and, love Dom. yep. And Don, and then John Riley for a lot shorter time, um, who I consider two of the greatest teachers. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. So I had those guys and I've been teaching for about 25 years, all levels. I still do. I teach out of my home studio here in Whippany and, uh, I've been really fortunate and, you know, worked really hard at it and been, you know, um, you know, blessed with some great results. A lot of my students have gone pro. And of course my pride and joy is Mark Juliana, who was my right. student uh, when he was a kid. And, and uh, now he's the man. Yeah, man. He <laughs> uh, just, yeah. he did, they just released that record and he's on, I mean, he played on the Bowie record. Yeah. He's, he's, you know, he's just not only one of the greatest drummers to me, like contemporary drummers, but uh, he's just a great person. If you get to know him, Yeah, just did a clinic at PASIC and, uh, I mean, I know I'm a little biased and all that, but right. uh, he couldn't have been better. I mean, not only was the playing great, but his presentation was great, and um, he spoke well. He did everything right that you should do in a clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, teaching. So, I'm still doing that. Uh, and then, because uh, you know, 
being interested in in the, the educational side, I um I started doing clinics and writing. I started writing for Modern Drummer, doing a transcriptions and things like that. So I started getting published that way, uh, and then I got into putting out books. And so I don't know if you want to talk about that later, but I, I have about ten drum books out. I got involved with the publishing side pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, became the drum editor for Carl Fisher for like a minute, and then that led me to probably one of the coolest things I've done in the industry side, which is becoming the senior editor for Hudson Music, um, which is a position I still have. And, um, and so now I, you know, I've been act- active, like just kind of doing different projects for my endorsing companies on the industry side, doing publishing. And now that's led to me being a consultant. I run something called the Sabian Education Program for Sabian. Uh, I've been a Sabian endorser for about 22 years or something like that. Um, I love them. And they invited me to design this program for teachers. So so I'm doing that now. So so, uh, so you haven't the- really done anything in, in the last 20 years, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I juggle. You know, it's funny. I was... I was just at uh, Dom ran the Vic Firth PDT seminar at Pace, uh-huh. and I went to it. And, and you know, Dom uh, put me on the spot and brought me up, which was great. <laughs> and um, he was asking me about time management and all the stuff I do. And I, and I was just saying to them, I just happen to have, I just have a lot of, I love playing, obviously, but I, right. I like, you know, I'm, you know, let's face it, I'm kind of an, an OC kind of guy, so I, <laughs> so I like. <laughs> So I like the the writing out of the parts, and I like teaching and analyzing stuff, and um, and I like working with teachers and sharing ideas, and and I like to hang and, right. and yeah. So all these things kind of there's probably some guys who, who would couldn't stand being an editor or would mm-hmm. probably not like the the um you know I definitely I'm experiencing more of the business the corporate you know quote unquote corporate side right probably not everybody's cut out for that I I you know I have I have a lot of different interests so it all works for me. It's it's funny because I literally released a article two days ago talking about that sort of thing about how you know for me I have multiple different passions I love playing music but you know I love other things I like the business side of things I'm heavily involved in in some other businesses I obviously I run Drummers Resource um, and do some consulting for other drum brands and stuff like that so I I get what you're saying about that but one of the things that fascinates me is is time management and habit formation. And I think that a lot of them go, I mean, they go one in, or hand in hand, I should say. Um, so let, can we talk a little bit about the, about time management stuff? Because sure. it's, it's really interesting to me because of a lot of people are either playing and working a day job or they, you know, we as artists are like, well, I want to do this thing and I want to do this and I want to do this and this thing and this, Oh, I can do this. So, so what's, what's your advice on that? I want to talk a little bit about uh, your history and all that, but I, now I got to go into this topic now. Yeah. That's cool. You know, funny. I, okay. So basically what I'll give you an example. So, so I got, you know, my teaching schedule right now, I have about 35, I have 35 to 40 students of which I, you know, they don't come all come weekly. So Mm -hmm. um, that's my active roster. I probably give about 20 to 25 lessons a week. Okay. And I, I, I do that Monday through Friday. I make no exceptions. And uh, I do that because I also have a family. I have two kids. Mm -hmm. Um, My son is 13 and my daughter's 10. And they're obviously my family's the number one priority. So, excuse me. And, um, so I don't, if I'm not gigging on the weekends, I don't teach. Um, so, because I'm all about balance too. And and Mm -hmm. all these different things I do. Um, I like to, I like to have some free time as well, you know? So, okay. So right in this, um, last couple of weeks, I had the following projects that came across my desk. I was getting ready to do the Sabian, um, events in Nashville and PASIC for the SEN that we just did. Mm -hmm. And Tama is coming out with five new SLP snare drums. Well, two are out, three are new. Um, and I've done the, you know, you might've seen on YouTube. I did the demo videos for mm-hmm. those. Yeah. So, so they had five snare drums. They wanted me to do the videos for play the, play the, um, pick out tracks and play them to demo the drums. And then, uh, Hudson, you know, Hudson's really slowed down. That, that's something we can talk about later, but the, the publishing thing has really changed and slowed down, but we still got a couple cool projects a year. And right now we're working on a book and drum guru project with Steve Smith. Okay. That uh, that I had that you know I'm the editor, so you know that came across. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, who would want to turn down any of those projects? Exactly. You know, go go in the studio with Tom, play some drums, make a write up, work on a book with Steve Smith, and run an event for all these teachers at PASIC, and you know, with great panel. I mean, so a lot of it is just the 
you know, when there's fun things coming along, I, I like to make room for all of them. Mm-hmm. I've also learned to say no to things if they don't, you know, I, you know, there, there's people I know, Dom, for instance, Dom's like, you, know, you never say no, you know, you never say no. Um, I know, I know guys, uh, musicians that are like that too. Actually, the guy, the guy I'm playing with tomorrow night, I'm doing a gig with Greg Smith, who's, uh, um, I met him playing the show Moving Out on Broadway, but he's a uh, great bass player. He's been with Ted Nugent for like 10 years or something. And he played with Alice Cooper and Rainbow. He's like a big rock famous nice. touring guy. Yeah. Awesome player plays with all my favorite rock drummers. And, um, Greg said to me one time, I was saying I was double booked and he's like, man, you know, uh, say yes to everybody and sort it out later. <laughs> <That's> his, <laughs> um, but I'm, yeah, I get overcommit and adjust, you know? Yeah. But I, but I get stressed when I'm, I'm like that. So, so anyway, um, I mean, I guess you just want to know how I approach like, well, juggle. yeah, I'm, I'm interested in just in, you know, running your day. So your day doesn't okay. run you kind of thing. So basically um, I don't really have, I I've in the past, I've read different self-help books and, and um, I've been, you know, Dom's really into that. You know, yeah. Dom's influence on me. Um, I have to say, I'm, I'm not really a disciple of any of that stuff. I really, I really, I mean, Dom, don't kill me. I really don't like most of it. <laughs> I really find a lot of it to be, uh, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say. I, I guess I haven't really found. Hey, one man, you can say whatever you want. Like, you're, you're well, you know, I mean, that, that obviously, like, there's some people who are great. Like, I, I, you know, Dom's like, read the seven habits of highly effective people. And so I read it and I was like, okay, you know, yeah, I right. get it. And I love Dom's book, The Cycle of Self Empowerment, because mm-hmm. Dom's book isn't like, to me, it's not as like buzzwordy. It's more like just inspiring. Right. That's what I like about Dom's book. But, um, uh, but uh, so I don't have I, I don't have like a specific like I couldn't tell you my specific like method published method. But here here's what I will tell you. I'm very big I I'm very big on to do lists. I mm-hmm. keep lists, and um and I have my book. I still keep a paper planner with my schedule and everything. I I'm, I know I'm the last guy in Western world that's not you know not all digital, but I still keep a paper book. So I, like I got a, a journal right here. That I use everything. I use it for everything. I I just like writing. You know writing i'm still the kind of guy like i if i something hits me in the middle of the night i write it down i get up i go walk to my desk you know crash into 12 things and write it down (laughs) Um, so when i get up my typical day if i'm not on the road or if i'm not uh you know well basically typical day when i'm home so i um i take my wife is a school teacher so i take my kids to school and then if I can, if I don't have appointments in the morning, then I go, I exercise and I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not doing enough of it, but I try. Hey man, we're, um, we're all struggling with that. So. Yeah. So I try to do that. And um, if I have tunes to learn, I, I um, bring the tunes with me and I learn, I start getting familiar with them when I'm on like treadmill. I, mm-hmm. I can't stand doing cardio. The only way I get through it is I either listen to music. Uh, and that's also when I, when I read the paper, I, right. I have the, I get my paper on it on a digital app and I, I read it. So, um, so I do that. And then whether or not I go to the gym, depending on how much I have to do when I, then I go to my desk and when I get to my desk, I just start hitting the prioritized items. And I try to basically like, look at how much time I have before I start teaching. Cause mm-hmm. I have students that are pros that come in the morning and, like it, they're they're sprinkled all through the day, which is one of the advantages of doing it from my home and right. not doing it from a store. Sure, sure. Um, now I, I built, you know, I'm you keep, the listeners can't, but I'm sitting in my room right now, mm-hmm. so I built a semi soundproof room in my house, and so there's a bunch like, of Zildjian symbols back. I don't know what they're doing. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, not, just so everybody knows. It's it's part of my su- uh, research for my sub. Right. No, <laughs> so anyway, that that's pretty much what I do, and then I I um I just try to prioritize what like what needs to get done. So when the Sabian event was coming up, I mean that was like what I focused on, mm-hmm. and then when I had to go into the studio, like tomorrow I have a gig with Greg, and 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 I don't always like you know I love Greg, but he always winds up calling like ten tunes that I don't know. You know, he's like, right. oh bro, you'll know all the tunes, and I take the gig, and there's ten tunes I don't know. <laughs> So I chart them out and then like, so today, every spare minute, I just bang through a couple of tunes. So I just right. prioritize what's coming up. I don't, does that kind of answer your yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, it's, it's always because we as, you know, I, I consider if, if we're, we're self-employed, we're entrepreneurs, we can do whatever we want. So technically if we want to, we could lay on the couch every day and, and there's no boss and, you know, you sort of have to, well, I just got married. So now I, I do have a boss and, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, just, it just, 
I like hearing different perspectives of of how people manage their day when technically they don't have to. Um, and, you know, most of the people who listen to this, not most, but a lot of them are, you know, are are gigging musicians. And, and for for me, the main purpose of this podcast is really to help people understand this side of the business, help them understand how they can make a career out of music. Because I think the stigma is that you can either make money or you can play music and you can't do both. Uh, which, which I'm not a fan of that. And so I like to talk a lot about that because there's a million places where you can find out how to play a double paradiddle or something like that, but not a lot of information about this sort of thing. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit about, and, and talk about your, your one, your love for education and teaching and two, your approach to, to teaching as well. Okay. Um, well, I mean, i I started teaching pretty early on. I guess I was about 19 or 20. I, I didn't, I had never really thought about it before. It was right around when I, when I met Dom and, um, uh, I just started realizing that, like you said, a lot of guys who do this for a living, I mean, they teach because it's a good way to make extra money and it's, you know, obviously related to what you do. Um, I also learned pretty early on and noticed fairly early on that, some guys, it's pretty obvious that they just do it for extra money because they don't really have a right. plan and they're sort of not really into it. Um, sometimes a lot of my students who have gone on to college or have come to me after college, I'll ask them, you know, what were your lessons like with so-and-so at the, like he's an adjunct professor or the professor at the college. And they're like, and they'd be like, yeah, man, like we just hang. And he'd be like, what have you been listening to? And what have you been playing? For me, that doesn't work. Right. Um, right. If I get a pro, I, I get if I get pros to come in. Usually they have an agenda. Usually they want to know how to break into the New York scene, subbing on Broadway. Mm -hmm. uh, they want to work on their versatility. They want to learn how to become better writers and transcribers and 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 get into that side. So they those things. And sometimes they have like specific technical things. So that's that's um, easier to address. Mm -hmm. But my approach is um, to just take. A lot of times I, my students, whether they're adult or young, they're fairly early on in their journey on drumming. And I, I try to um, evaluate them and try to make them into a good, well-rounded player. So I have a curriculum that I've developed over all the years I've been teaching. I'm pretty confident that it works, right. <laughs> um, you know, because I've been doing it for a while. And there's, I, you know, obviously, you know, look, I mean, you have to have results. If you don't produce results, if you've been teaching for 10 years and you haven't produced a real drummer in that time, you know, by that I mean someone who has achieved some technicals and musical um, ability on the instrument and has gone able to go out and play gigs with other people and, mm -hmm. and maybe even like professionally, you know, if you, if, if you, you know, I think, I believe that, you know, with anything you do, the results are important. So I'm happy that my way, I, certainly I don't think I'm the best in the world or anything, but I think I, you know, know a way to do it. So what I right. do is I start people, I analyze them uh, for what they might need. And if they're starting out and they're pretty early on, I, you know, it's really not that complicated. I try to make sure they have an approach. They understand technique and they can read music. And at the very minimum on set, they have to have some exposure to both rock and jazz. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we just build from there and I use all the different books. You know, I've, I've been really deep into book, drum books and drum videos even before. That's what got me into the publishing side. Right. Um, you know, it blows my mind as an editor where guys, I get, when I was kidding, you know, flying to PASIC, I'm not kidding. Like just on the aisle of the airplane, like three guys like, Hey bro, like I saw you're on the flight, man. Can you check out my book? And like putting the book down in my lap, like on the plane, you know, what? cause everyone, yeah, everybody knows that knows me, knows I'm into this. And it astounds me where people will have an idea about a book. And I'm like, man, did you do any research? Like, did you, you know, check out this new Latin book I have. Like, did you know there's 10 books out about this already? You know? Right. right. Um, so I've been way into that for a long time. So I, so then I just like build it from there. And, um, yeah, I guess that's my approach. I don't, um, I don't expect. I expect. What am I trying to say? I, I ask people what their goals are. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if so if I get a, a kid, you know, if I I like teaching little kids actually. For the record, I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I love little. I love kids. If it wasn't so expensive, I'd probably have like six kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I do love kids, and um, I like that they're a blank slate, and and I love the excitement and and just joy they have when they like can play music and make, you know, play grooves. It's yeah. just so awesome. So, and I think actually having a plan for the young beginners is people think that's actually one of the hardest things to do because it's all on you. If you get a, a kid and, and he yeah. doesn't, and he, I, I get 
kids like I can't believe how bad their hands look. I'm like, who is you know, you know, how how could you let that go? Like you letting someone learn wrong like that. So I I take a lot of like I try to fine tune my plan for the young students so that they um, develop good a good foundation. Sure. Yeah, you got, I've I've had some horror stories about kids coming in, and I'm like, where did you even, you know, how long have you been playing? Three years. And I'm like, and you're the guy before you didn't tell you to, you shouldn't be doing. And I actually got out of teaching because, to your point about a lot of people just do it for extra cash, and uh, I wasn't passionate about it, and I felt like it wasn't right to do, so I got out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. It's important to, um, like. You know, I taught and I did teach in a retail store for a while. It was uh, Richie's Music uh, in Rockaway, New Jersey. Shout out to mm-hmm. George at Richie's. Love those guys. Um, and, but, you know, just from talking to teachers and having students come into me from other teachers, I'd noticed that, like, if, if you're teaching in the 21st century and you're still doing the thing where the, the student just has a book of staff paper and stick control and, 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 you know, stick control and syncopation, you know, it's like, it's like, it's heresy for me to say this for some people, but like, you can't just teach a kid nowadays with those two books and a stat book of staff paper. Right. You just can't do it. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Like, do you, you know, I know you can do syncopation a hundred freaking 20 ways, but kids today want, you know, there's so much, first of all, Everybody, you know, knows where I'm going to go with it. They're they're so overstimulated. You got to use video. You got to use yeah. That's all true. But it's ignorant to all the great stuff that's out there. Right. Why Why wouldn't you? Why would you just you know? So so what winds up happening is it's like I have the staff paper book. A student will come in and I'll see like just haphazard like they learned a cha cha like a year ago. So they kind of learn. There's no like method to it. Right. Um, I so, think that was always my problem with teaching is I could never develop a method. Yeah, you have to. You, at some point, you have to sit down and you have to analyze. You have to work on your teaching the way you work on your playing. You have to develop a plan. You get, you know, so like you know, I I also teach people about that. I teach teachers, you know, if they want to get into it and they have a passion mm-hmm. for it. I, I work with some of my students on, how, on you know, the, cool. yeah, because what happens is that like they get a student and they're like, what the heck do I do? You know, right. they don't. Know. So I try to help them. Like, okay, this is how you approach a beginner. So um. Yeah, so there's that, and um, that's sort of, I guess, would that you say that answers your question about yeah, my approach? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, uh, and and I would say I would just say one other thing for the people that might be interested in what I do because I do teach on Skype and online um, for the more advanced and the pros and stuff. Um, if if I think that I have a, developed a specialty as a player and a teacher on the pro level, it's you know I, I always had a goal of breaking into the New York scene and being able to do the gigs and the shows and the recordings. Um, and in, in order to do that, you have to know all the styles pretty well. So mm-hmm. like when I subbed on the show in the Heights, you know, the trumpet player, Raul Lagraz, he played with Tito Puente. And when I subbed on moving out, you know, the half the guys played with, you know, you name it, Billy Joel, John Mellencamp, Tommy James, Alice Cooper, you know, all, they're all rock and roll bona fide, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, I really made an effort, uh, to be a well-rounded, you know, professional player that can gig on different in different situations and that informs my uh teaching with the advanced students that i teach right right and that makes sense and i i want to talk about the i want to talk about the the broadway scene as well because that is i mean and you know obviously way more about it than i do but that's a hard scene to get into right yeah and it's a hard scene to survive in unless you have the right skill set. <laughs> right. Right. So let's I'm going to talk that about that a little bit about you had mentioned, you know, sort of breaking into the into the Broadway scene how you suggest people do that cuz I was I actually was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, moving to New York and doing the Broadway thing." And I was thinking like, "You don't just move to New York and do the Broadway thing." <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's not like going in and buying a sandwich. <laughs> What's that like? I'm gonna move to LA. I'm gonna do the. No, no, I think I'm gonna do the a, Justin Timberlake thing or something. You reminded or, me of the Lord of the Rings. You know, one doesn't just walk into Mordor. You know, they made it into that thing on Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's you know, it's funny. I I grew up, was born and raised in Jersey, and um, you know, saw my first Broadway show as a kid, and I always thought it was cool. I never had it as a, as a real goal to be a Broadway drummer, I, simply because back then. See, I don't really play a lot of mallets and timpani and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. can I can do it if I shed it, like, and I had the part to practice. But I, I don't. I'm not a like good sight reader for you know um, regular theory. Like, I'm I'm mainly you know drum music, no problem. But xylophone and all that, I I figured you know 
geez, for to play Phantom of the Opera, you got to be able to jump from the drum set to the xylophone, and I'd probably crash and burn. So I, that made made it so that I, that wasn't a goal of mine, even though I was always fascinated by it and thought it would be cool. But then once I got when I started to break in, now you have shows like Jersey Boys and Million Dollar Quartet and Rock of Ages and Moving mm-hmm. Out, and and on those shows, you know, some of the guys who like for instance, Moving Out, Chuck Berge was the drummer on Moving Out, and Chuck was playing like you know, I mean, a lot of people don't know Chuck's resume. I mean, he was in Brand X after Phil Collins. You know, the dude's a monster. Right. He was playing double bass stuff in the show, and a lot of the guys who just went to the regular college route, jazz performance major, playing some timp and mallets, they were like afraid of the book because you know Chuck was you know playing serious like Bozio, like some serious licks in some of the show. You know, so um, that was like worked for a guy like me who's so now there, there's definitely like full out drum set where you don't touch. A mallet instrument, you know, Rock of Ages are moving out. They're not even in the show, you know. Jersey right, ones. right, right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that that um, I guess my where I was going with that was I. It really took me my whole life to break into it because I was here gigging, you know, playing with rock bands in New York and doing things, and that's what led to my getting a chance to. Uh, um, in my case, I got in through the show moving out, and I had to audition. What? Uh, sorry, you you cut out there right at the end. Oh, I was going to say, um, my way into the Broadway thing was I I was gigging around New York with all these different bands and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and through all the different um, networking, playing with different groups, I got into a position where I was recommended to Chuck Berge to audition as a sub for him on the show. Ah, I got you. Okay, now I just want to clarify something: you never audition to sub on a show. Moving out was an anomaly, and the reason it was an anomaly is because there was no conductor. Okay, the 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 piano man started some songs, and and the drummer started some of the other songs. But every song, well, about a third of the show was on a click. But mm-hmm. the whole rest of it, the drummer had you know you had to watch a light on a metronome and lock in the tempo. So you were the de facto conductor. So f- for most Broadway show, modern Broadway shows, the drum it's well known that the drummer can crash and burn the show. Mm-hmm. But it, but in moving out, it was even worse because you had no one that could tell you slow down you're rushing or or there's no one that could save you you, you when uh, you went out there you had to like be running it so as a result they auditioned the drummers which i think was a smart thing to do sure sure but that's not a normal thing you're saying yeah so then so then i then i did that i got in there and then someone recommended me after i did okay with moving out someone recommended me for my second show which was jersey boys and jersey boys is very conducted and it's very controlled and you got to play really quiet uh so then I had to contend with the uh, the other, you know, 800-pound gorilla of Broadway, which is working with, you know, following a conductor. Right, right. So um, once you're – you're saying it once you get into the scene too, because I admittedly do know nothing about the Broadway scene, which is sad to admit, but I don't. Okay. Um, I'm honest, you know. Um, so – but what you're saying, once you get into it's it's hard to to stay in as well or no? Um. But no, I only meant I only meant that because I guess I meant it in the sense that um, there's so many great players in New York doing it now that you really mm-hmm. don't get too many chances to mess up. Look, I mean, all everybody, all the studios are closing. Right. You know, the jingle jingle work is gone. This, there's not as much studio work. I mean, some the some of the most killing players in town are doing Broadway now. Right. You know? I mean, I, I was hanging with um, Rich Redmond and Jason Sutter down at PASIC for a little while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those guys are like some of the hottest, you know, what I would call the hotter, younger players right now. And, yeah. and making it, ha- you know, Rich is killing it in Nashville and stuff. And those guys are like, yeah, man, like you're doing the Broadway thing. Like they, they get it. Like they know that that's what, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the killer players are doing here. Um, right. So, yeah. Um, so it's so it's really made it like you have to play on a much higher level to, to get a show or to even get in as a sub. And then once you get in, it's, you know, it's extremely, uh, you know, you have to perform at a high level and not make mistakes to stay working. Mm-hmm. So what would you suggest if, all right, I, I just moved to New York and I'm really focused on trying to get in to Broadway because I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's a little different than trying to get touring work or gigs because you can sort of, you can be in the hang and, and sort of network with people. Um, but what about the Broadway scene? How would you suggest? Um, it's, the same. it's the same. You can, you can network with people for sure. Um, the thing is that you need to get people to know you and, and trust you and know that mm-hmm. you can do a good job. And Sometimes you might, if you come to town and you want to do it, you might find someone 
that will be in a situation where they need a sub and they'll take a chance if they have a good gut feeling about you. Um, I'll give you an example. The guy who's playing the Lion King right now is Carter McLean. Mm-hmm. Carter's an unbelievable drummer, has unbelievable pocket. He's a good friend of mine and I, I just admire his playing and he's a super nice guy. He took over the show from Tommy Igo. Right. And uh, I've known Tommy a long time, another great guy, good friend of mine. And um, I subbed for Tommy. And then when Tommy left, I, I stopped doing it just because, um, you know, I was busy with other things and, and Carter didn't need as many subs. Um, but when Carter got the, Carter had been subbing, subbing on the show. Um, for about nine years when I started subbing it. So he, he was by far like the senior guy subbing. Mm-hmm. When he when he came in to do it, Tommy didn't really know him from Adam. He's a guy. Carter approached him and he and he he came at the right time and Tommy took a chance on him and he turned out to be amazing. Really? Um really? yeah. And so like with with me, with moving out, it was a total chance thing. I was doing a gig with uh, actually I was doing a gig with with Ron Beanstock, who's an entertainment lawyer. He's also mm-hmm. a really great bass player. He's He's like entertainment lawyer to the stars. So Why do he, I, I know that guy? Yeah, he's he's a great guy. I don't he's know a, him, but I, I've heard I've definitely heard that. Ron name. is a super heavyweight in the industry. Um, he's represented, you know, Mike Portnoy and um, Chuck think, Burton. You know what? Luke, I think he's you know, the lawyer for my for my other company. Yeah, he's great. My partner handles the 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 law stuff, but I think that's him. You know, I mean, the thing about Ron is that uh, if you need guidance in your career, as well as like his lawyer services, mm-hmm. he, he's, I've sent young bands and young students to him. He, he's a great source of advice. Um, and uh, he knows everybody in the business. So I've been lucky enough to, you know, Ron and I have been buddies as well as him being my lawyer. And, and once in a while, he calls me for a gig because he's a great bass player. Right. Um, so we were doing a gig one night. Um, I was hanging out with him at NAMM and I, uh, and he had called me for a couple of gigs and I, I, I couldn't do them. And, uh, I had gone to see him play and, you know, Rod Morgenstein and Lib DeVito were doing his gigs. They were his clients and also played years ago. They would do a corporate gig with them or something. So he called me for a gig and it was a very low key. Like, I think it was at like the bagel cafe in his town. And I was like, well, after I bug him to call me, I'm going to have to go do this gig, you know? <laughs> so I went down and I did the gig and, um, it, you know, I would have done it anyway because to hang with Ron is a great opportunity, but it's funny. I had just, he had, I had just put out a new record with my band Forefront. And um, back then I was also in a Rush cover band called Power Windows. We were kind of like legendary around Jersey. Nice. And, um, and Mike Portnoy actually, among, among, believe it or not, the many famous drummers who came, Mike Portnoy used to come down. He would see us a few, t- he saw us a few times and sat in. And he was always so nice to me. He was, it still is, you know, just a great guy. Um, and I gave Mike uh, the first couple of Forefront records and he was just so complimentary. And, um, offered to help me in any way he could. And I mentioned it to Ron Beanstalk the night I was playing at the Bagel Cafe with him. And Ron was like, um, that's great, Joe, but it's hard to make any money doing this progressive stuff. Maybe you got kids now. Maybe you should do Broadway. It just so happened that he had had lunch with Chuck Berge that day. And Chuck had said, I'm having a little trouble finding a good sub on the show. Ron said, you know, I'm playing with someone who might work. And so it was, again, you know, that, that old mantra, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Right, right. It is so true. Like you have to, you know, yeah, you got to network and try to get your foot in the door for that chance. But when the chance comes, you better be ready. And um, one of the ways to get ready for Broadway is if you've come here, you know, you may have to do some regional theater, get mm-hmm. a few smaller, you know, like smaller productions under your belt. Uh, and by all means, you know, I'll tell you, here's an interesting little tidbit. After I got to be best buddies with Chuck and I became his sub and now I, you know, I, I, I love the guy. He's such a great, have you ever interviewed him for this show? Uh, who? Chuck Berge. No, I haven't. No. You gotta get him. He's, he's amazing. Um, later on, you know, there was a parade of guys going in and out of the theater trying to audition for moving out. And after I got the gig and we hung out, I was like, I found out that Chuck had come over to my house one time to help me with this, the parts. And I found out that he didn't do that with everybody else. And I asked him why, why didn't, you came over to my house and it was such a big help. And I found out later that you, some of the guys just kind of went in and had to do it. And you know what Chuck said to me? He was like, of all the guys that I met, you were one of only about three guys who gave me, if, if I didn't know them, that gave me a recording. Ah. So I gave him a forefront CD and he's like, I, I listened to the first track on that CD and I was like, this is my guy. That's awesome. So, you know, I mean, like, how could, if you don't, it seemed like common sense. I'm like, the guy doesn't know me from Adam. I know Ron recommended me, but he's never heard me play. Right, should, at least something. Here. Right. So, so that was, you know, I mean, it's pretty astounding that, that 
that's pretty ba- a pretty basic thing to me. Like you'd want to let let you you know let someone hear you play so they can recommend you. Then yeah. you know then once you get past that, it becomes even if you get if you get a chance to do an off Broadway thing or a uh, regional theater thing. Mm-hmm. All, all of the Broadway people do those in between their big Broadway gigs. So you might get on a, a thing where the guitar player or the piano player or even the conductor is about to open a show on Broadway. And then it's all um, networking from there. Right, right. Um, and it goes on. You know, the guy I'm subbing for the most now is Clint DeGannon at the show Beautiful, Carol King show. Yep, yep. Um, Clint is a, a New York legend to me. Uh, he's like, one of the best groove players on the planet. And he's so busy in New York. He, he's probably not as well known outside of New York only because he's so freaking busy in town that, that, uh, you know, he, he's just working so much here that I guess he doesn't need to, uh, you know, tour with the, you know, he stays here and, and he's so busy, but, um, Clint didn't know me and he needed to sub on the show, Jesus Christ superstar. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I had played with some of the guys in the band at, at Rock of Ages. They're like, yeah, get Bergamini. He'd be great. Well, Clint didn't know me, so he called Tommy Igo. So they're telling me to get this guy, Joe. I don't even know him. Should I get him? And Tommy's like, yeah, get him. He'd be great. So it's all about that. That's- uh, and another another piece of advice, um, another piece of advice, the last one I'll give on this topic is um, that in that case, yeah, the, these both came from drummer recommendations, but more often than not, if if you can get somebody that's in the in the orchestra that's in the band to say, Hey man, you know, like, let's, let's just, uh, uh, this is not a real example, but let's just say that the bass player at beautiful Zev Katz has a drummer friend, uh, that's looking to sub on some shows. And he tells Clint, the drummer, yeah, man, I, you know, I think so-and-so would be great. If, Mm -hmm. if somebody in the band is going to have to play with you and they say, Hey man, get this cat. He'd be great. That goes a long way. So, Getting yeah. the other musicians to like playing with you and feel comfy playing with you. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the name of the game. I mean, that's the, the one thing that I tell people. I quiz my, my aspiring pro students. If you could, if you could boil it down to one thing that's going to keep you working, one thing people say to me, like, well, you got to be versatile. Yeah. You got to be a good hang. Yeah. But if you could boil it down to one sentence that's going to keep you, at least in my experience in New York City, working on all these different sessions and Broadway shows. If you can make everyone in the band comfortable, then you will work. And to make them comfortable, you have to make them comfortably musically. Mm-hmm. You know, right? It feels good to groove with you. It doesn't feel edgy. It feels nice. And it makes you're comfortable. They're comfortable with you in the hang. You're not a drag, you know, mm-hmm. in the hang. So I boil it down to that. Make everybody comfortable and you'll work. That's like J.R. Robinson said, if you play a gig and that with people you've never played with before, if you don't get hired again by someone by that band or someone in that band, then you didn't do your job. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> I mean, look, he's probably you know, he's one of the greatest screw drummers on, on Earth. So, you know, the, I mean, I, I wish I was blessed with that. But did you ever hear how he got the Shaka Khan gig? I think I did, but I don't remember what they, they like, they came to his show the night before and, uh, they were like, Oh, you should come hang. Or he hung out with them till like three o'clock in the morning. They're like, Uh Oh, you should come to sound check and hang tomorrow. And he's like, okay. And then at sound check, they're like, do you want to play? You want to like, just hang out and play? And he's (laughs) like, uh, yeah, I'll play. And then they fired the drummer on the spot and hired him. And he played that night with them. Oh my God. (laughs) I, that, I mean, that never happens. Right. I mean, that right. sounds like it might have been premeditated. Like, who, who invites kids to invite you to sound? Come down to Soundcheck and play. I mean, when does that happen? Right, right, right. And I was like, are you lying? I was like, is this a true story? And he's like, I swear to God. It yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. <laughs> but like you said, never happens. Yeah. Um, so you would mention... Uh, I want to talk about Hudson because I mean Hudson is a has been a name in in the business for years and and people know you know I I can't I can't count how many Hudson uh, how many Hudson books I have actually I got some uh, a bunch of them back here behind me but so well, you're talking about the the changing landscape of that and and so where do you see that going I think it's going somewhere other than just ebooks and I don't uh, know. Yeah, I, don't, I wish I. Nobody knows where it's going. Yeah. I tell you where. Uh, you know, the the thing with Hudson is that you know, obviously, DVD isn't really a viable medium, and that's mm-hmm. really what all the you know that's Hudson was really built on that. Um, I do know that there's a lot of the book market has really shrunk, right? But it's it's kind of like leveled off at a really low level. There's always going to be, especially in a drum lesson, there's always going to be people who want to have that paper book. Um, yeah. 
You know, and I, I get that. I, I, I like, e- I actually do really like ebooks a lot, but I also like paper books equally. I, I like them both. Mm-hmm. So I think I had said to the guys at Hudson, to uh, Rob Wallace and Paul Siegel, who are the founders and who, you know, Rob's pretty much running it now. And, um, you know, what a, what an honor it is to work with them because uh, I grew up, you know, watching those Dave Weckl, Vinnie Kaliuta, Steve Gadd, Buddy Rich concerts, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and every, every, you know, my, one of my other biggest heroes in my drumming life is Simon Phillips. I must have watched that video a thousand and one times. Every time I put on one of these old videos, like back then, watching Neil play at the Buddy concert or Dennis Chambers or Omar Hakim's, I see these names, Rob Wallace and Paul Siegel. These guys are hanging out with Guy. They're, they're the guys, man. They're like, right. so, you know, I had this opportunity to get to know them and to work for them. It's been just amazing. Um, and the respect that they command, you know, Look at the roster that the guys that, that we've worked with just since I've been there. There's been mm-hmm. Neil, there's been Steve Smith, there's been Benny Greb, there's been Stanton Moore. I, I'm going to leave guys out. I don't mean to insult anybody. Aaron Spears, Keith Carlock, Portnoy, you know, right. um, and those are some of the guys that I've dealt with personally that, and just they respect the company so much. They're all great people too, which, which is a big part of it. So, right. but anyway, I, we had had the conversation saying, I think, you know, ideally you'd want to offer every medium because some people like an app, some people like an ebook, some people like a paper book, some people still might want a data disc or a DVD. But unfortunately, the market is, the market has been diluted to where to produce all that different product, you, you would never keep a business running. It would be too expensive yes. to produce it. And of course, a big part of the re- reason why the business has been diluted is because there's so much free stuff online. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, I, it's, you know, I think it's, on balance, probably not great, um, but that ship has sailed. You know, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, happens. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, there's not much you can do about the the changing of the tides. You know, yeah, but uh, but I I hope you know there's still some good projects that happen. It's really hard to get a drum book or a video deal now because you just can't sell as many. I mean, with books you can print digitally, you can print small numbers. So I think the book thing will still go on if. If you have an idea for a book and you're a professional or you want to get that feather in your cap, I think it's still a valid facet of the diamond of your career because it is very mm-hmm. prestigious to have it out and be published and that will never go away. Um, I, I hope it never goes away because it's very important and prestigious, I think. Um, but do your own research. Make sure you're, that your idea actually is original. Like It's so hard to come up with something new in the this world now it's all been done so many times yeah yeah and now and the thing is you know with the with the advent of internet uh not to sound like it's you know 99 and we're just talking like the internet just got here but there's you know fifty thousand books out there that would have never gotten published if there was no internet you know so so there's no proving ground anymore which i don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing but well i you know look i mean one of the things that about the internet is that you can be completely unqualified and have no track record, no record of results, nothing, and start putting lessons on YouTube. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not I'm not talking about the the big guys. You know, like obviously some of the big businesses like Drumio and Mike Johnston that are doing it. You know, obviously, right, right. you know, there's no smoke and mirrors with those guys, and they have they have a huge clientele, and they're obviously doing a lot of things right. But um, but I think you hit made a good point, like that it, back in the day, it was like you know, you had to be seriously vetted to get published. Now it's like right. a lot easier. And and I think, look, I mean, let me ask you a loaded question, right? Sure. Do you think do you think that Facebook has made our national political dialogue more enlightened or less? Less. Of course. It's made it less. My th- it's- my take is that I don't think that everyone should have a platform where they can reach the masses and now I, I everyone agree with you 100% and everyone can <laughs> yeah 100% it's like giving and, everyone a website and just saying go ahead like just say whatever you want and every- yeah and 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 you know a lot of a lot of the idiotic stuff that was been under the rug in every everywhere in 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 drumming in politics and whatever it's right. so easy to just click on a video like i was watching a simon phillips video on youtube of one of his solos like at a clinic in Europe somewhere. And there was like, you know, 550 thumbs ups, you know, and then right. like, like 23 thumbs downs. I'm like, what, what kind of a nitwit watches this and clicks the thumbs down? Right. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, I, it was like that, that thing I put on Facebook, like it got the, my most commented on post ever was the thing I posted last week about that 
that silly Phil Collins petition, that tongue in cheek, that Phil should stay retired. Yeah. You know what, what, yeah. Like when did he become the laughing okay, so, stock of drumming? So, so, so the most talked about uh, post on Facebook that I did was about referring to this cheesy um, petition that Phil Collins should stay retired because he got kind of light rock at the end. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who weren't aware of his previous resume were like, oh, this guy's a cheesy bubblegum pop songwriter and they have no so the so the uh the petition while it wasn't a i everyone i realized it wasn't a serious petition but it still comes from a place of ignorance right 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 so i i put a half joking post on facebook saying uh i've been reading some nasty stuff about phil collins uh if if you don't understand you know he's that he's one of the most underrated and important rock drummers ever. Please book a lesson with me so I can smack you in the head or something right. like that. <laughs> and people have just loved it because it's true. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. I think that he is, um, yeah, he's definitely underrated and definitely, I don't think gets the, uh, the respect he deserves for, for the stuff that he did. And, you know, it's the whole, I believe that everyone should be able to voice their opinions. But the problem is, is that I could put I could make a video of something that is 100 percent false and I could add dramatic music to it and add some filters and make it seem real and put it out there. And there'll be thousands of people out there who believe it right? or not believe it, but, you know, who I've convinced that it's real. And I mean, not maybe if it's not over the top, but I could go on and say I sold 50 million records and I've done this and all of a sudden people would be like, oh, man, this guy's legitimate. Right. Well, you, you know, know, look, I mean, I would just say this, at least in the world of drumming education, there's so much legitimate great stuff out there that you really don't have to, you know, if you if you go for the stuff that's like, you know, it, there's no drum book that sold huge numbers of copies that's smoke and mirrors, you know. Exactly. If if you if you look at Danny Greb's The Language of Drumming or you look at Carmine Pieces Realistic Rock or you know Afro-Cuban Rhythms for Drum Set by Frankie Malabay or Zoro's book or the or Dom Zitra Move book, there's there's no like go to the go to the go to the classics and they they're proven, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and then find out from, you know, I do believe – I think it's great that we have all this stuff on the internet, but I, I don't think anything will ever replace a teacher giving you personal one-on-one advice. Uh, if, it, if it's on Skype or online, that's great. And if it's in the room with them, that's even better. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but one-on-one advice from a teacher, man. I mean that's – that's one of the most beautiful things we have. Like we're, so, we're we we all say we're a brotherhood. You know, every time yeah. someone is a clinic, you know, oh, there's no guitar clinics. It's it is true. Um, and, but I think that that our tr- our tradition of teaching is so great. You know, yeah. and um, so yeah. So I hope like Alfred had a bunch of new drum books out this year at PASIC. So that was good. Um, so I think the book thing will will continue. The DVD thing obviously is over, and I think delivering video now. You know, we have the Drum Guru app that we have, right? Um, but there's no one app that has really like cornered the market. Mm-hmm. They all have their own disciples, but sure, you know, I know sure. Mike Johnson has his, and then there's Jamit, and then there's and then there's the Drum Guru, and then there's they all have their own following. I don't think anybody's really, you know, the one the one app right. that every drummer and drum teacher should, uh, can use that that everybody loves is that amazing slow downer thing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. what the heck is it called? Um, the amazing slow downer. Oh, that's not the one I use. Oh, okay. I use uh, uh, what is it? Um, I use AnyTune. Okay, yeah. So, so whatever you know. So my my students can take. You know, we're working. We were working on separate ways out of the journey book. Um, and uh, my student couldn't play it up to speed, so we loaded it in there and slowed it down ninety percent, and and now we can play it. Yeah. Um. I I'll check that one. I use the other one, but you know, I'm I'm always looking for for new apps and stuff. Um. So, and I'll make, I'll leave that in the show notes too, so people can check it out. So the one question I want to ask you is, and I want to be cognizant of your time. We're getting, we're getting a little long here, but, okay. um, well, I no, I mean, for you, I know it, you, you got things going on. So, um, but so what is your advice for, for people who are coming up now that say, if they come to you and say, Hey man, I want to, I really want to do this as a career. I want to, I, I want to have a wife. I want to have kids and a family and a house. And I want to do this as a career. What do you suggest? Well, the, the last part that you said, not no one says that to me. They never, they never factor in. I want to have a wife and a kid. That's oh, right. sort of, they sort of realize that later, and then they're right. like, "Oh my god!" Um, no, but in all seriousness, I, 
you know, giving advice is a hard, it's a hard thing for, for this. I, I, I try to be really careful about it. And I, I've begun giving a few different pieces of advice to some of my younger students, especially when, you know, if I've been teaching them through their high school years and now they want to go to school for this, you know, um, sometimes the parents come in and they sort of look a panic in their eyes, you know, and they're like, my son wants to do this, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I get one piece of advice is I do give the following piece of advice, which is if you want to get into this business in this day and age, um, and you, you know, one of the ways to do it is to go to college for music. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you, if you go that way, it is absolutely insane to try to come into this business and go to a college and take out a loan for 30 or $40,000 a year and enter the music business with a six figure or, you know, even, even $50,000 in student debt to become a working drummer in this day and age. To me, I, I just, would never I would never if I would never do that for me and I won't let my son do it if he wants to be a drummer. Right. Um you know I know there's great schools like Berkeley out there and all the great music colleges but uh you know student debt has become a huge issue in our country, you know. Sure, absolutely. And 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 you can't you know even for good paying jobs, you know, it it takes kids years to pay it off. You you just have to you just have to be really smart about that if you want to do this. It's really hard to make a living doing this. If you you have that that extra debt hanging over you and you want to have a life, I, I, I can't imagine how you would do it. So, um, you know, maybe there's other routes that you could take, like going to community college, which is less expensive and taking, I, I went to a school called NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology. I majored in architecture, not music, only because my uh, old fashioned Italian dad would want me to have a fallback plan. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I wanted to, um, I want, but my secret plan, I wanted to be a drummer. So I, I played in bands, I, I, you know, I was doing architecture school by day and I was rehearsing and jamming with like three different bands at night. And then I found Dom and I went to Dom once a week religiously. And then, and then Dom started having me study with Al Miller, the great, uh, mm-hmm. the late great big band drummer teacher on Long Island. Al took me through all the reading and theory stuff that I missed by not going to music college. I mean, he put me through the paces site reading big band charts and reading the hits and my all my you know gave me a method for teaching kids i could totally valuable what al miller did for for me and then dom sent me to a few other guys too um that kicked my butt in different ways some of them just coming through town for a few lessons like i took a couple lessons with dave garibaldi when i was about 21 oh yeah he he ripped my face off in a good way i'm sure uh he's one of my thankful another guy who i'm I can't believe I get to call him a friend. He's one of my heroes, you know? Yeah. My, I mean, um, one, mine too. I would love to get him on the podcast. Actually. He's one of my favorite drummers of all time. Oh man. I, I'll help you get him. He's, he's, uh, he's, you know, like he's on my short list of guys who are, you know, truly world-class players and mm-hmm. teachers. Right. You know, there's some guys who are good teachers. They do it on the side uh, and they're great players. Right. And there's some guys who are legendary teachers and they do a little playing, mm-hmm. but you look at a guy like David Garibaldi, you know, every, if you're a serious professional drummer and you haven't gone through future sounds cover to cover, right. man, do you, I hate that saying, but do yourself a favor you know? and do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, another, on that short list for me would be John Riley and Tommy Igo too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys uh, are, you know, some guys know, know John Riley and Tommy Igo only as world-class drummers that they hire for their gigs. Yeah. And they're you know? master teachers. Yeah, we, we know that, of course. Right. So, um, so yeah, I had John. I actually, I've, I've tried to get Tommy, but I've, I've had, uh, I've had John. So that was great. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Um. But anyway, yeah. No. No student debt. T- and think about the other ways you could try it. Study with all the great teachers in your area. Um. Maybe think about like a lesser expensive college. You you could even you know major in business at a at a, an expensive college and you know do a summer thing at the collective if you're in New York or come to New York and do a summer thing at the collective or do, you know, a, a, an intensive at MI on, in LA right. um, and take some lessons and just keep an eye on, on that. You know, of course, if you audition for a school and you get a, a great, um, if you get scholarship or something. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that's something I would say. And the other thing is, is that um, it just seems like that, I know I'm, you know, a lot of great professional musicians and it just seems like everyone has less gigs than they used to. Right. And, um, so for me, I mean, when I did a clinic at PASIC a couple of years ago, my topic was, and I think they, they hired me, so to speak, because of my topic was 
about how I juggle all these different things to make a living. Cause I do have kids and I, you know, I like mm-hmm. having a house in the suburbs and having a normal life. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be worrying about how I'm going to make the rent every month. That would be, right. I'm not cut out for that. I would probably have a heart attack. Me neither, man. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'll be the first one to admit it. I never have been. And I mean, I like, I like stuff. Sorry, but I, I do. <laughs> well, you know, but, but this is, I can't change the fact that this is an unstable business. Right. So I, what I do is I just juggle a lot of things to try to keep, you know, so that, so that I'm not relying. People are like, oh man, I've subbed on a dozen Broadway shows. I do hope to have my own someday. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh man, you know, that'll be great when that happens. And they, they say it like it's like my ship will have come in. But, <laughs> you know, look, I mean, I mentioned Carter and, and Tommy with the Lion King and, or Jersey Boys. That's like winning the lottery, man. Yeah. Shows that run 10 years. Most shows run, you know, Moving Out was considered a hit. It ran for three years. Mm-hmm. I've known guys who the show opened and closed in two weeks. Yeah. So, you know, you can't, if there's very few baskets that you can put all of your eggs in mm-hmm. anymore. You know, do you know Robin DiMaggio? I, I know Robin a little bit. Yeah. Great drummer. He, uh, we were talking, he had the Arsenio Hall show for, and that didn't last long. And he said, you know, there's the thing that circulates around TV. It's not if the show is going to get canceled, it's when. Of course. You know, because. They all get canceled. So it's yeah. like you have, you know, one of my very good friends, James Wormworth, plays on the Conan O'Brien show. And, oh, cool. yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's like, it's it's television. So we're he's like, I'm enjoying every minute of it right now. Yep. But that's that's part of the whole. I remember when Moving Out got canceled and I was like, oh, my gosh, man, what are these guys going to do? You know what? I, you know, I was so bummed. And then I went in and the guys were like, yeah, man, something will come up. I mean, that's the, these guys have to tour, do these big tours. I mean. You know, like with Greg Smith, my buddy, he's he's been with Nugent for a while. You know, uh, Nugent's not. I, I guess he's sort of like not going to be touring now for a while. So right. Greg's like, hey man, you know. So he did. He went out with um, the Turtles this summer. He, he'll go from gig to gig. You know, Greg, Greg's a guy who's just a you know he's a rock and roll bass player. He doesn't mm-hmm. he does a little teaching, but he doesn't do juggle all this other stuff. And somehow he makes it work. And one of the secrets that I share this advice that Greg said is keep your nut small. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it, it, you know, I mean, yeah, you want to, you don't want to live above your, you know, if you, if you have this great gig and you start living at or above your means and then the gig goes away, then that leads to big trouble. I heard a story, uh, I'm not going to bring up his name, but someone who was very close to him said that this guy was making $17,000 a week on tour and at the end, like when, you know, the pay came and every month he would be owed people money. Yeah. Well, I like mean, was in debt and was like, uh, can I borrow $20? <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, you know, ma- managing money and just, you know, it's obvious that everybody who makes a lot of money isn't going to wind up keeping a lot of the money. Sure. Um, but that's another discussion that has nothing. To it's do not with about it. how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. <laughs> yeah. But you, but you know, it's funny. Um, I was thinking about Mark Juliana, you know, I was thinking mm-hmm. about Mark and, and, you know, Mark has a family now and, and um, right. look, he, he's like the top young jazz drummer in the world right now. Yeah. Man, yeah. that dude, you know, and he's, he's successful. He's making a little money now, right, but right. I, I think it's like totally lame. Mark should be making, you know, half a million dollars a year. He's the yeah. best at what he does in the world. Yeah. And, and, and it, like our business just isn't fair like that. I mean, mm-hmm. the people question if somebody, you know, I don't, I don't have, I don't know what like, um, you know, the best, I'll, I'll pick a name out of the air, Tommy Igo. I think Tommy's one of the best drum teachers in the world. I don't, right. I don't know his hourly rate, but he, he deserves $300 an hour. Mm-hmm. He's the best in the freaking world. Yeah. Right. I mean, like we, you know, we, we just don't, we're not blessed to be in a business that has that kind of money. If you, you know, there's certain gigs where you can get out there and you can, you know, I'm sure my buddies who are playing with Billy Joel every every month at the Garden are doing well, and they deserve it. You know, right, right. Um, but you know, there's that that joke that goes around, like the you know the guy the you know Rip Van Winkle or something. You wake up a hundred years in the future, and bar band musicians are still getting a hundred dollars. You right. know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's in, uncanny the business we're in. There's no inf- there's no you know you hear in the news like. You know, uh, people getting Social Security are mad because they didn't get a cost of living increase or the the, the union of some. And I'm I'm going on record saying I'm pro union, but whatever group, we didn't get a cost of living increase. It's like, dude, I've been getting paid. You know, a hundred. There's a bar gig. It's a hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars. That's been I've been getting that call for twenty years. Right. You know? That's 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 a just a standard rate for 
Yeah. Ever. It's just, and that's just what it is. It's just what it is. And, you know, I, and now like, you know, thankfully I, I don't have to say yes to that all the time, right. but if there's guys I want to play with and go do a bar gig and it's fun, like Greg, you know, that, you know, that's what it is. You gotta, you know, you go and, right. and it's funny, you know, um, I was, it might've been one of the guys in moving out, one of the guys in Billy's band, um, said it was funny. Like, yeah, man, you know, we do these big tours and we play the garden and once all over, we go back to playing bars. You know? right. Exactly. Exactly. I was talking that's, to, uh, um, Sean Paddock today, uh, for, he plays with Kenny Chesney and he's like, you know, man, I go and I play these huge tours and he's like, then I come home and I see my wife and then I take out the trash and you know, he's like, I'm just, yeah. just a back to, back to the reality. Well, one of the things that I like about doing the Broadway thing is that I, I'm, I get to play with some world-class players, um, you know, really serious players. And then I sleep in my own bed and I take my kids to school in the morning. Yeah. You know? That's nice. That is nice. That's awesome. Well, listen, man, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to wrap it up with you. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. It was great. I like that, that you're so close, man. We should definitely, we should do this in person sometime. Yeah. Nick, it's been great to, to do this. And, um, I'd be absolutely, uh, first of all, I'd love to meet up in person and um, I'd be happy to, um, you had mentioned that there's like a, I can share some info. Absolutely, the- man. Whatever, whatever you want to share. And I'll also link in the show note. Every podcast has show notes. So all of okay. your information and, and whatever, whatever you want me to put on there, I will put on there, but feel free to, uh, to share whatever you'd like for the listeners. All right. Yeah. Let me, um, what I'll do is I'll send you some links for uh, a lot of the things we talked about today, like maybe some of the Hudson products and that would diff- be fantastic links to some videos and things like that. And, um, and just, we'll just say it now on the podcast in, in case people don't see the show notes, uh, just your website. And if you yeah, want to um, take lessons from you, just give that information out now, because I, I urge people to, to take lessons from you, man. You are a very well-respected and world-class teacher yourself. Oh, I appreciate Thank you so much. Well, if you're interested in, in what I do, you know, first of all, you know, I always ask it's funny. Some people come in, they don't really know much about me. Look on my website. It's joebrigamini.com. Uh, it'll be in the show notes and um, check out what I do. If you think it's right for you, I do teach on Skype. And I, very important, I do want to mention, if you do, if you teach drums, please check out the Sabian Education Network. Um, we didn't talk about it much today, but it's an organization. It's really a club, a uh, community of teachers, and it's going great. We have a, we have tons of members uh, and there's a forum. Uh, I'm the gatekeeper. So if you, if you teach and you <laughs> fill out the application, tell me how many students you have, I'll let you in. Um, it's sabian.com slash join SEN. Again, I'll send you the link. And it's and not just for like, if guys are artists it's from not different- for, It's not a Sabian endorsement. You can actually- if you're comfortable with it, you can be an endorser of another brand. Just come in and join. Like we have things in there where guys are talking about what cameras they use when they teach on Skype. Mm-hmm. They're talking about their cancellation policy. You know, we just because we give drum lessons, someone cancels, you shouldn't be not able to pay your bills that week. So, you know, right, pe- right. we're talking about every aspect of teaching from the, the what books do you use into how do you get teaching on Skype, how to promote your practice, how to get more students, how do you keep them coming. So, so yeah, the, S, the Saving Education Network is kind of a big, that's my big initiative. That's my biggest thing I'm doing right now. Um, now, is that a place where someone who wants to get into teaching can go as well? If they say, hey, I don't have any students, but I'd really love to learn how to, how to teach. To, yeah, to a point. I'm, I'm really, I'm not letting in too many people who have zero students only because um, Right now, the dialogue is a very high level of teachers talking about the stuff that's relevant. Okay. Uh, and I'm just, uh, depending on the application and, and how, what they say on it, occasionally I have let a couple people in. Um, but if I get an application that's got like a lot of blank fields and zero students, I, I won't let them in. I, I just right. don't, I don't want to have, you know, people in there. Right now, it's the easiest forum for me to moderate because it's our family. It's a family. It's, right. There's no wise guys in there making trouble. And I'm going to have a, like, I'm, I'm very Jersey with that. It'll be a one strike and you're out rule. You know, right, right. <laughs> so you come on my forum, you make trouble, you're out of here. Yeah, you add it. Put them in, the, Joey, put them in the bathroom. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I just wanted to plug that because, um, Sabian's always been behind education and now they're mm-hmm. taking it to a whole new level. And, um, and yeah, I guess that's it. I, I just, the only other thing I would say is I, I, I've gotten amazing support from, from Tama and Vic Firth and Evans too. And I, I have these videos with Tama that I've done for those SLP snares. Um, and again, if you, if you want to have a little view of, um, I'm pretty proud of them because I play like every style. Um, you can even see me doing 10 seconds of Derek Roddy's blast beat book. If you know, nice. <laughs> 
and then it, it fades out because I crapped out after that. After <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, check that out. I'm, I'm pretty happy with those and they can actually give you a little overview of some of the things you can learn from me if you want to come and take a lesson. Awesome, man. And like I said, I'm going to link up to all this stuff and videos and, and links to you and, and everything that we talked about will be in the show notes uh, for everyone to check out. So again, thank you so much for doing this. I, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, it was great to, to meet you virtually and can't wait to meet you in person, man. Absolutely. Thanks a million, Nick. And thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, I'm honored to have been a part of it. Absolutely, man. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great night. So there you have it, Mr. Joe Bergamini. And for a list to all the links and everything that we talked about in this podcast, you can head over to drummersresource.com forward slash session 141 for all the details on that. And I hope you had a great weekend and I hope you have a great week moving forward and check me out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash drummers resource on Instagram at drummers resource and on Twitter at drummers R source. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.